I completely had to just continue to push through because the enemy did everything he could to try to make me want to drink again, because that would have been a lot easier than fighting a lot easier because it would have killed all of the pain that I was feeling. Hi, it's Marilyn and Bruce of Montage Duo. We are a versatile musical act that performs music from the 1940s to today. We cover a wide range of musical genres and styles, including classic rock, pop, country, funk, blues, and even a little jazz. So, if you're looking for professional quality entertainment in the greater Phoenix area, either for an intimate acoustic setting, or a rockin' full band sound, Montage Duo will please you and your guests, engaging them to join in the fun by providing an interactive entertainment experience. For more information, visit our Facebook page at Montage Duo. Well, hello, Mom Nation and everybody out there. It's, uh, I was just going to say it's Mom Nation unscripted, but it's not. It's not unscripted anymore, guys. This is season five of our podcast, and we did a thing. We changed the name and also the little kind of intro to the show. And it's, it's really a special story. I'm just, I have to tell it really, really quick because it already gives me the chills. Super special story to me. Um, the new podcast name is called From the Heart. So we are no longer Mom Nation Unscripted. We are now Mom Nation From the Heart. And the reason is, is because where we we definitely were unscripted and still are, you know, for the most part, we don't script any of these shows or, or anything like that. We know who our guest is going to be. So we might think of a few questions to ask prior to the guest coming aboard, but this is unscripted. You can totally attest to that, right, Nicole? We haven't given you a script yeah. or anything like that. Nothing. All right. So it's totally unscripted, but we realized that the title just kind of didn't describe what the show really has been all about these last couple of seasons. And, you know, we've been diving in with amazing Mom Nation members and amazing guests and talking about their inspirational situations, their life stories, things that they've been through, things that they've overcome. You know, maybe they um, started a business after being homeless for some time, which we have interviewed some, uh, a mama last season that had done that, which was really, really cool. So we wanted to really make that title. Once you heard that title, you kind of understood what the show was about a bit. And we didn't feel like Mom Nation Unscripted was really doing that. So um, the new name, From the Heart, we feel nails it, is like just in three words, just tells you everything about what the show is about. And um, it's kind of neat because it goes hand in hand with our new little jingle, which is the chorus of a hit single that was just released by my mother's sister. So it's like, I know, like, ugh, gives me the feels, all the warms, all the feels. So it's just kind of neat how those things came together and how the chorus, her song is called Coming From The Heart. Um, it, we'll actually link it here in the show notes, but the, the chorus was just a perfect title for our new show. So long story short or short story long, that is how we came about with the new title. So Sherry and Jenny, it's been about a month since we've been on. How are you guys doing? It's been a long time. I missed you guys, but we just had Mother's Day. How was your guys' Mother's Day? It was good. It's the real estate market is absolutely nuts, as you know. So I worked half of it. I know, right? total shocker. Um, mm -hmm. I worked half of the day on Sunday and of course I'm tethered to my phone all other times. Um, but it's okay. We, we got a chance. We went out on the boat, just the three of us, which has been a minute since we've been able to do that. So that was nice. And then, um, got, uh, we had a barbecue over at my mom's a little bit after that. So how about you? Awesome. Kind of the same thing. Actually, I showed houses in the morning and then um, went to breakfast and then I kind of chilled for a couple of hours and then a barbecue in the afternoon. So it was kind of go the whole day. Yeah. How about you, Cher? Um, I was, uh, we had a lazy early morning, went grocery shopping, and then I actually got to hang out with a Mom Nation member, which was really cool. She invited us over for dinner. And we got to just enjoy time with her family and my kids loved it. 
So it's really fun. Oh, cool. I love that. That is so nice when we can, it, it's so awesome to have the group because of that. It's just keep, it's an, a really great place for us to connect with like-minded individuals, right? And to find like our people, to find people who speak to our soul. So I love it when I hear other mamas get to do that. Well, it's actually really, really funny because I've never, I feel like I know her forever for years, but I've never met her in real life. And so it wasn't like meeting a perfect stranger when I went over there for dinner, but it was kind of. Right. That's funny. I didn't realize you guys hadn't met yet. That's really cool. Well, plus she's like also my upline. And so like, it's just, she's in my life so much, but I wouldn't have had that connection or that relationship. I wouldn't have my extra business and the success that I have without her either. So this is what mom nation is all about. Yeah. It totally is. And I am like so guilty of, if I know you, I don't know why you don't know my best friends. Like, (laughs) what do you mean you don't know each other? (laughs) So I'm a a little weirded out because I've known Layla for, I don't know, she was a client of mine before she moved. Um, And so I've known her for years and years. And I'm like, how do you not know Sherry? How do you, how, how? Anyway, it's funny like that. Yeah. Well, Nicole, how about you? How was your mother's day? Oh, it was amazing. We just hung out. I got breakfast in bed. My 12 year old made homemade banana bread. Oh, what? Yeah, she's amazing. And then my eldest, uh, she's 16. She made me dinner that night. We had church and fun and pool and all that good stuff in between. So it was a really nice day. Oh, so good to hear. Well, as you know, this is the podcast where we, we share inspirational stories, useful information. We have mom talk here on this podcast and I cannot wait. I have been, it's been what, since the last, the first time we spoke, it's been months, Nicole. And I have been waiting to hear your story for months and we'll talk, we'll, we'll, you know, message back and forth. And I'm like, no, don't ask her. Don't ask her to (laughs) fill you in because you've got to wait until the podcast. I have been dying to, to, so take us back, take us all the way back to young Nicole. Where did her story start? And, and let's go from there. Okay. So when I was younger, I was a very troubled teen, you know, so I had gone to 11 different elementary schools, um, you know, always traveling around because my mom and dad were divorced when I was six years old. And then from there, she remarried to my stepdad pretty much immediately. And I wasn't happy about that. So that started a lot of anger inside of me. And Okay. So they were divorced when I was six years old. And I always felt like the black sheep of the family because my mom got remarried. And when she got remarried to my stepdad, my sister was like the favorite because I was a daddy's girl. So I didn't accept him and she was all about him. So it's, that's kind of when a lot of the things inside of me started happening And then I just became a really troubled teen at the age of 13. I tried to kill myself um, and literally ended up in uh, like a, like a psych ward, like adolescent psych ward for months on end. Um, And that was after, you know, being molested by my best friend's, you know, dad at her house, Um, all of these troubled things. Right. And then my mom has always been really sick. Um, from my entire childhood, that's all I could remember. And she was always on medication. Uh, the medications were typically the worst ones were the painkillers. So, um, opiates and all of that. And she became really addicted to those. But what happened was the first time I had a drink was when my mom was actually traveling with my stepfather, I'm sorry, with her work. And my stepfather was home and he needed a drinking buddy. And he knew that I had already drank in before with my friends. Cause again, I was already troubled that I already smoked weed. You know, I was 13 years old. He needed somebody. He got me up and I will never forget. He got the bottle of Jack Daniels out, had a pack of marble reds. And, you know, we sat there and drank Jack Daniels, which I'd never had any type of hard liquor before. And he was pretty much just pouring it for me and telling me to drink it. And Um, then I started feeling like, you know, getting my buzz on and everything and I was feeling pretty good. And then we kept drinking and then I wasn't feeling so good because we're smoking 
these marble red cigarettes at the same time as we're drinking Jack Daniels. And then he offered me some chocolate. I'm not really sure if he was doing this to me on purpose to make me throw up, but next thing I knew it was all over the bathroom. I didn't make it to the bathroom. So needless to say the my first introduction to re really drinking was through my stepfather and it was not a normal drink. It wasn't, you know, you just have a drink to sit and enjoy a glass of wine with your friends for a nice meal or anything like that. It was literally that you pound the liquor until you can't anymore. So that's when um, things first started. From there, uh, my childhood was all over the place, you know, to be honest with you. Again, like you said, we didn't talk about what we're talking about, anything here or whatever, but I'm just going to keep on going. Um, from there, after I tried killing myself, then I went into to high school after junior high. High school was really hard. I um, started hanging out with the wrong people. Again, still drinking and smoking. I remember the time that my friends took me home as a freshman um, and had to carry me into my mom's house because I didn't know how to pace drink or anything like that. I got a bottle of Southern Comfort and I drank the whole thing with my friends that night and I woke up and pee. You know, so those are the, that's how I know how to drink, right? So then um, fast forward a little bit, I was introduced to crystal meth at the age of 15. So at 15, I started doing crystal meth and I did crystal meth for about four years until I met my ex-husband and got pregnant and then I stopped. So thank God for my daughter Azalea, because had she not come into my womb at that time, who knows how much longer I would have been on that path. And then from there, it just became alcohol. You know, um, it, I became a really successful businesswoman. I went from, um, you know, from Illinois, that's where I'm born and raised. And then I moved to Arizona with my ex-husband. And in Arizona, we actually, um, I found a job that I was able to grow in and I was able to actually become very successful with the business. I started with them as you know, like the eighth employee and helped them grow to a fortune 500 company. It was amazing. I was like, wow, you know, this is great. Talk about a complete turnaround. That's awesome. Well, with all of this greatness and traveling the nation and being, you know, a business professional, um, taking care of my clients, taking them out to dinners, doing, you know, the um, golf tournaments, all of those different things, happy hours, everything, right? With all of those comes a drink. There's a drink in your hand with all of that. Well, I'm all, I already don't know how to drink. So then those drinks for me became taking shots with the clients, you know, then it was not remembering the next day, then it was waking up feeling like crap the next day. And so from there on, it was like, that's all I knew how to do when I was taking care of my clients. And then next thing I know, my marriage is falling apart um, because I'm traveling 80% of the time. And when I'm not, when I'm home, I'm also taking clients out for happy hours. I'm not putting my family first. I was putting everything else first. Because to me, it looked like I was doing the right thing by providing for them. So from there, um, my marriage went downhill. And then, I mean, so many bad things happened along the way from there. My kids seeing me um, just wasted all the time. Any party that I went to, it wasn't just having a drink. It was me becoming like a bobblehead because I had not just a drink or two like everybody else. I was drinking and then taking shots in between and then drinking more and then making my drinks with more vodka than they needed to be, you know, with a splash of whatever it was. And waking up the next morning, I had to drink again because I had the shakes and I had to do something about it. So I had to have the hair of the dog, right? Well, that hair of the dog lasted the next day, the entire day until the next day. And it was just a cycle and it just continued and it continued and it continued. And there would be days that I wouldn't drink for a little bit, but then it would go back to that cycle again, right? So now I'm living at home alone and now I'm still continuing to drink and not knowing what's going on. I mean, Katie, I remembered the other day that 
there was a day that, you know, I didn't have my kids because they were with their husband and I'm a huge Chicago Bears fan. And I'd already been drinking that day, but I was like, I'm going to go to the bar and have some drinks with some people and celebrate, you know, like watch the game. And I woke up in the hospital because I drank so much that I passed out at the bar. And oh my goodness. Yeah. And I was like, how did I get here? That wasn't the first time or the last time I mean that I ended up in the hospital. There have been at least four times where my blood alcohol level was 4.0 and higher, you know, because I didn't know anything else. I didn't know how to control it. It was controlling me. And so needless to say, when I was in that addiction and going through everything, I lost my children. My um, ex-husband took them from me completely. I lost all of my rights. At the time, you know, they told me that it was going to be three months. I needed to just take three months to get myself together. Well, that sounded like the longest time in the world at the time. I was like, why three months? No, no, you have to do something better than that. I can't, no, it can't be three months with supervised visits and all of these things. You know, I showed up to those supervised visits after drinking after drinking, like my babies are on at stake here and I'm showing up to these visits after having a couple of beers after church. And like, how old were your kids at that time? During that time, my um, eldest was six years old and my youngest was two. So do you think that they could tell? Did they notice anything? Um, they're probably too young to, to really know what was going on, but I'm curious if they noticed your behavior was different or, um, you know, if they could tell what was going on. Yeah, you know, Azalea is my oldest and I don't, I, when she looks back. Oh, we lost you again. We lost you again. After you said Azalea is your oldest, you cut out, your voice cut out again. It seems like there's some sort of timer maybe on your, there you go, you're back. I'm sorry. I'm not sure what's okay. going on with the internet today, but at the time that's, they saw that a lot, you know, so they knew something was wrong because they also, there were days that mommy wouldn't get out of bed because mommy couldn't get out of bed. So the littlest though, Emma, no, she never knew. Thank God. But then she also didn't know why I wasn't there because then as time went by, I wasn't showing up for the supervised visits. I was just looking for my next drink, really. Um, And then next thing I knew, he wasn't even allowing me to talk to them anymore. Then my grandma passed away. So I had to take a visit to Chicago. And then right after that trip, my friend was like, come stay with me for a little while, right? And I'm thinking, okay, this will be good. Well, she drank just as much as me at that time. And I didn't even know. So I ended up packing up my car and traveling to Illinois and being with my friend and family, which was something that my ex-husband had already put in my head that might be a good idea for me to do. And I was like, no way. But at the time, it seemed like the only thing. I left all my stuff. I just gave everything away, um, went to Chicago, and it got worse. I ended up, you know falling down a flight of stairs and dislocating my elbow. And then from there, you know, trying to get better, trying to find jobs, trying all of these things. And I, I never caught a break, right? I didn't catch a break. I ended up in hospitals there. I ended up in the psych wards there because then I was getting depressed and wanting to try to kill myself again, you know, and then it was just like, I didn't know how I was going to get out of this hole that I had dug already. Like I was so deep in this hole already. I didn't see the light. There was no light. It was just dark. There was no way of getting out of this to me. Like how, how am I ever going to do anything? How am I going to get back to my children? I don't even know how I'm going to get back to my children now. Like there's no way. I don't even know what's going on. And uh, I went to rehab. I was dating a guy out there who ended up not being good for me, but I thought he was because he was successful chiropractor and he was taking care of me and all this stuff. And after I went to rehab, he picked me up and then he put another glass of wine in my hand, right? Because you can't have a nice dinner without the red wine to go with it. 
have a question though. Your when you met your ex husband, he had you got pregnant, so you were able to pull out of the situation that you were in with meth. Was your husband also in addiction, or was he sober? He was not sober. He was um, smoking marijuana, like that was his thing, um, but not alcohol. No, no. So throughout your marriage, was he supportive of like, like how, how was that going on? I mean, I know you had two kids, so I know what that's like, but as far as you, was he supportive or not? Um, he was supportive, but he also was an enabler because he wasn't telling me you have a problem. Mm-hmm. That was never discussed. We had problems, we had issues, but it was never discussed that alcohol might be one of them. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have listened anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. So he was kind of, he was enabling you. And then it seems like the chiropractor was doing the same thing. So it was a similar sort of oh, situation. Completely, completely. And with the chiropractor, he also gave me a place to live. I was staying at his house with him and I was like his arm candy to be very honest with you. He was an older gentleman, you know, and it was just, that was fun to him. I, he had me to hang out with and I had alcohol place to stay and I worked for him, you know, and helped him grow his business. And I don't, you know, I was still able to do that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was hard, you know, um, I didn't, cause I didn't know any other way out. I didn't understand how I was going to get back to my children, even though it was always in the back of my mind, people would have never thought that I was thinking about my children because of the lifestyle I was living. I was couch hopping for a while, like literally, you know, cause this guy didn't really care about me. He just made me think that at the time. And I would literally be kicked out of his house and be couch hopping from one friend's house to the next friend's house. Um, no place to live. All of my belongings would fit in my car. Um, my family, some of them have cut me off already. You know, my mom always took me back in if I needed a place to stay. But other than that, everybody was sick of it. It was just a vicious cycle that you know, and this is just part of the story. I, I had hurt so many people and done so many things already because like my best friend from high school, I went to his, to his um, engagement party and I was already hung over. So I was drinking before I got there. Then I had a couple drinks there and, you know, I'm meeting his soon to be wife for the first time and all of her family. And I was a wreck. I ran into their screen door and I don't even remember any of it just what they've told me that I did. I don't, I don't remember that, but I know I that I was, yeah. Do you think that minus the chiropractor, do you think rehab did help or would have helped if you got out and you had that support outside of that? Absolutely. 100%. What I would say is that absolutely 100%. The key to success and recovery is to stay around other people who are not drinking or that are in recovery as well. It is not to go back to the same environment that you just came out of because that environment is not going to help you succeed in your recovery, plain and simple. And for me personally, um, one day I was invited to a church that I never even heard of before. It was by that chiropractor. So if he hadn't come into my life, then I wouldn't have gone to that church. So by the grace of God, I went to that church that day after my final relapse almost five years ago now. And I went into that church and I was introduced to the Holy Spirit that day. I have no idea what was going on in the room, but the guy looked at me and he said, I had a message prepared, but today the Lord told me that there's going to be a deliverance. I didn't even know this language, a deliverance. What is that? I don't even know what it is. Right. And so that day I was introduced to the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden I was sitting in that room, looking up like thinking something was in the vents because I started feeling funny in there. Right. And this lady, he had filled with the Holy spirit, whatever that meant. Right. And then she comes over to me and she said, he's like, can she give you a hug? And I said, no. And he's like, I think she means yes. (laughs) So she gave me a hug and I fell back in my seat and I started shaking. Like 
uncontrollably and I didn't know what was going on because I had been praying. I knew that there was a God. I knew that about Jesus and all of these things. I've been praying, take this away from me. I don't want to do this anymore. I kept relapsing and I didn't want to do it anymore. And so that day when I when I sat there, they took me up as an altar call. And next thing I knew I was on the floor shaking and just all of a sudden I was miraculously healed. The things that were happening to me on that floor, I have no idea. I didn't know what was going on. I did not understand, but I stood up at that time after looking around like what the heck just went on. And I looked around and I didn't, I walked out of that place a different person. I was on prescription drugs that was, I was on prescription drugs that, was supposed to make me not want to drink and i was on antidepressants anti-anxieties like when you go into these places they want to just fill you up with all this medication and everything to try to make you feel better no you got to work from the inside out and the only way that i was saved was that day when the holy spirit took over i got up off the floor and i walked out of that place a different person because i walked out and i never had another drink i never smoked i had a trucker's mouth man every other word right and i never even swore again i mean i still swear once in a while because come on let's be real we're human but um you know but after that experience i became a whole new person that was on august 17th of 2016 2016 yeah so it's going to be five years this year that i've never had a drink again don't want to have a drink again and my life has been completely turned around so if you looked at me from five years ago today when i was probably in the bottom of a bottle somewhere um way messed up lost my children lost the job of my dreams I could possibly imagine and today I am a successful woman not only because I support my husband and we have a solar business together but because I have my children back I don't just have them back part partly I have all of my rights to my girls back it, it was a struggle it was so hard so i know there's other people out there that have gone through it that it's like how am i going to get my kids back right it is hard you have to push through there's so many things that completely try to stop you from getting to where you need to be and that's the mom that you were made to be like i wasn't put on this earth for anything else but to be there for my children that were always the most important thing to me but addiction made me think that alcohol was the most important thing and that is not the case today i have four children four beautiful children that i get to be a mommy too and that i get to be there for every single day and guess what i have a beautiful house that we just built last year i have all of these amazing things and the, and then the lord gave me a ministry road oh, so now i'm there you are. oh i'm so sorry oh you're I cut off you guys. It was an amazing road you were on and we lost you there for a moment oh. and I was with you. I was so with you. <laughs> oh my goodness, and I'm so proud of you. Tell us, tell us a bit about, so from that point, so you went to church, that happened to you and it was an amazing experience. What happened after that? Because you had to have jumped through a bunch of hoops. To oh, that's what I was saying. Okay. So it's hard. It's so that's what I was trying to say is that the journey from there to here was so hard and it was, um, it was constant. It was like, everything wanted to stop me from getting back to my girls, which I knew was the most important thing to me and why I'm here and what I was supposed to be doing. But I had to keep pushing through and I had to keep praying. I had to keep my support system around me and my support system around me had changed completely. It was everybody that I met at the church that I went to. It was, um, all of the people that could help me get to where I needed to be. I no longer was looking at, you know, those people that I used to go out to the bars with and things like that, because I knew that I couldn't do that. So it was, um, pushing through my friend Marisu kept reminding me it's part of the process i hated hearing that i heard it so much it's part of the process like no i want this to be over with i'm a different person now but nobody saw that because on paper i didn't look like a different person when i was going to court when i was doing all of these things i looked like a terrible person a terrible mother who had done nothing but drink and didn't care about her kids and just left them behind so i just kept my my tight like group of friends were just a couple of people. And then I just focused on working. I focused on the prize at the end, which was my children. I completely had to just continue to push through because the enemy did everything he could to try to make me want to drink again, because that would have been a lot easier than fighting. 
a lot easier because I would have killed all of the pain that I was feeling. Um, when my ex-husband would stop me, I had things happen. Easy. It was, it was not an easy process in order to get from that floor on the church that day to where I am right now, right. With my beautiful family, um, and everything that we have that is so amazing. But all I could say is that you would just have to encourage yourself and current and find even just that one person. It could just be one person that you can call whenever you're feeling that way. That's why these step programs work because you have a sponsor. So that's why, you know, having that accountability partner or whatever it is that you need to have is going to help you get to where you need to go because the enemy is going to throw so many things at you to try to make you stop, to not get to where you're supposed to be. And you need to have people to lean on that are going to lead you in the right direction that are not going to lead you to the bar. They're going to lead you in the right direction. And that is in the positivity and all of those places instead. The porch giant. I can't stress that enough in anything, Mm -hmm. anything that you're dealing with support is so huge, huge, huge. And the right kind of support too. Um, But how did you change the court's mind? Was it, was it a, a process I'm assuming? How did you go from not being so great on paper to finally getting all of your rights back? Mm. It was one step at a time, continuing to do what I needed to do. Right. Every time I'd walk in there, I would think that I was going to get favor in the court because I was doing so many great things in my life. Right. And they would be like, Nope, it's on him. Like, Nope, he wins. He wins. He still has, he still has sole custody. He still has sole decision-making rights. I'm still taking drug tests. I'm still doing this. I'm doing that. Right. And during that process, I was working a job. Like it's a, it's crazy how I started working for a job at 1350 an hour. And then, you know, kept getting, kept getting promoted to the director. Right. And starting from the bottom, working my way up, but they didn't care when they saw that they didn't see those things. Right. Because that's not written on paper. It's not what shows it. And I'm falling asleep, you know, early. And then guess what? I'm not blowing in the little device that I was supposed to blow in on time. So what's he do? He comes and rips the kids away from me again, again, like, I'm sorry. I fell asleep. You know what I mean? Like, no, we found this, we found a diluted drug test back from, you know, two months ago. So we're going to come and take the kids from you. What? I'm doing everything right. But guess what? It's on paper. <laughs> on paper, I don't look right because I fell asleep during that one. And then they found a diluted drug test on another one. And now guess what? Now I'm going back to court and I have to pay his court fees and I'm already paying child support, you know, $800 a month to him and everything else. So I'm the one that's in the wrong. So as a very short answer long, I had to keep on pushing through and I had to keep on doing the right thing. And I had to keep on fighting and showing up in court every single time that there was a court date and and telling my story and being honest. I was honest because the more I was honest, the more they saw I was honest. And the more they saw that he was just trying to bring me down. So I just did everything. I did every drug test, kept doing drug tests. So Bring us back to Illinois. So Illinois was where you walked into the church for the first time and you had some miraculous things happen. Mm-hmm. Where did we, how did we connect with the now husband and get to Arizona from there? Cause you're in Arizona yeah. now. Yes. So I call her my angel friend and that was the one friend and her name is Mara Sue. Um, we had always been friends and she took me back into her home and in her home, she has two children too, where I already relapsed one time. And she said, yeah, come on. Like she, she would of course do anything she could to get me back with my children. This time she knew it was different and she took me back in. I lived with her in a room and as I was living there, I started getting back to work and, um, I had so much favor. I kept finding these positions that were paying me a good amount of money so that I could, you know, get my own place. I got my own place within, you know, gosh, four months of living with her, you know, and I had no credit, nothing, everything. I had nothing, nothing at all. And I got my own brand new apartment with brand new furniture in it. And all of these things, because I kept on just praying and seeking the Lord instead of seeking those other worldly things that were going to satisfy me at the time. And the more I prayed and the more I sought him, 
the more things started happening for me. So then from her house, I went into my own apartment. And this is, again, another way that I was proving to the courts that I was a good person and I was doing the right thing. I had a great job and I was being promoted within that job as well. And then I was able to um, just keep moving forward from there. From that apartment, I went, oh, man, there was still so many struggles even then. Like when he ripped the kids out of that apartment, I had to fight again and go and let them take chunks of my hair so that they could see that there was nothing in my system, go and pee in a cup again so that they could see that I wasn't hiding anything, go like whatever I had to do besides literally banging my head up against a wall because I didn't know, you know, like I literally did because I was just so upset. And it was like one thing after another, no matter what I did, I could not win. But eventually I... I did. I met my husband when I actually started doing some, it's called prove it. You guys might've heard of it, but I was taking this prove it drink with, which is exogenous ketones. And it helps you like stay healthy, get your mind right, all this stuff. Right. And I'm on this healthy kick. So I just went ahead and started doing that. I got home and I was like in Arizona and I'm like, I got in this group and I was like, I need to find somebody in Arizona that has a five day so that I can get it. And that's how I met my husband. He was the guy in Arizona that had the five day. <laughs> oh, how cute. <laughs> so then from there, we just both, um, we both wanted the same thing. And that was to start a family and just to focus on God and growing and things like that. And we've both grown together. He's seven years younger than me. So that's a blessing because, <laughs> because I've already like done so much that most people my age wouldn't want to be starting all over again. But I knew that I was still supposed to have more children. And I was, I'm so blessed to have been given the opportunity and to be able to continue to have children right now so that we can have a family together and I can live the life that was stolen from me and then continue with my children right now. And it, it, it must still be a process, right? Because I mean, you're five years sober, just about five years sober. That's not a huge chunk of time in the grand scheme of things. So what kinds of things do you need to do on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to, basis to kind of maintain where you are is, 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 I assume it's still work. Yes. Yes. I, it's definitely still work and it's a focus that you need to be like continually recognizing when things might start shifting to get you back into those spiral downward that you might fall into. Right. So first of all, I am okay with being around people who drink and I'm okay with being in those environments, um, because I don't want to drink, but I need to, I need to worship for me. Worshiping is amazing. Cause I love music and I love to worship and I feel the presence of God and it makes me feel so good. I have my prayer time in the morning where I have to get in the word and just really just seek the Lord and everything that I do and just keep my eyes on him. Because if it wasn't for the price that Jesus paid on that cross and the blood that he shed, I wouldn't be where I am today. So my focus is on him. And then I have a ministry, right? So God knows what he's doing. He's like, I'm going to give you this ministry. So you have to take care of other people because then you're going to be focused on what you have to do in order to do it and teaching other people how to do it. And then you can't, you can't go backwards, right? Because now I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to all of these people that he's trusting me with that I'm helping lead on the right path. But besides that, Katie, I also had to go through some complete inner healing, inner healing, because when we started with my childhood, right, all of those things that happened back then, they come with soul wounds. And so since I'm carrying those soul wounds around with me, I'm easily accessible for certain things. So I had to go through healing rooms. One of the things is called Sozo, inner healing and deliverance. I went and I did everything I possibly could to clean it all out of me. There's a thing called river of freedom too, that I went through. And it was all just to make sure that I was doing the steps that I needed to do in order to address those soul wounds, address all the things of my past and continue to address the things that can, that can keep popping up. So it's a, it's a process. I have to continue to look deep inside and find those things that might cause a trigger to make me drink again and get, right. rid, of and them. get rid of them. Right. It's like talking with somebody who has lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're out of it. They're, you know, healthier now they're in their thinner body now, but there's, there's a reason why they were where they were before, right? There's triggers, there's 
all kinds of things going on. And, and I feel like it's the same. It's a similar situation. Yeah. It's a different addiction because for them, it was food. Right. For me, it's alcohol. So let's, let's talk about addiction a little bit. Um, since you've been through so much and you went through, um, it sounds like you went through the programs. Um, did you go to AA? No, it didn't work for me, but it works for a lot of people. Like it didn't work for me at the time, but it's an awesome program. Um, the program that the ministry that I have started like with the celebrate recovery lessons and celebrate recovery is the Christian focus of the 12 steps. Got you. Got you. Got you. Same thing. So, so you've lived a lot of life. You've learned a lot through those experiences and through the experience that you had when you were using. So from your perspective, where, where is that line or is it a very fine line that it's okay? I party maybe on the weekends or whatever. Now I'm having a drink or two a night with my family or at dinner. When does, when does that become a problem? When is it just Hey, I'm an adult and I like to relax by the pool for a beer a night or, Hey, this is a problem. Like you are, you Mm -hmm. have a reliance. Yeah. So, um, when every single thing you do, you have to have a drink in your hand. That's not normal. Right. When no matter how you hang out with friends or family, you have to have that drink in your hand it's not normal unless it's like not, if you're not doing it often, right. If it's like you're meeting up with people and every time you guys meet up and it's at nighttime or whatever, that's a totally different story. But if it's like, okay, you're meeting up with people, they're not drinking, but you have a drink in your hand. (laughs) That's not good. Right. Um, the other thing is that when you're drinking alone all the time, all the time. Um, so it went from, you know, having a glass of wine at night was okay. But then I was drinking a whole bottle of wine at night after work. That's a problem, right? One glass of wine is okay. But when you start seeing the amount that you're intaking increasing and increasing, and then next thing you know, you're drinking in the morning to make sure that you feel better or that you feel like you can't really have fun without it. That was the key for me too, because I always felt like, well, if I can't have a drink, how am I going to have fun? Everybody else is drinking. So I I have to drink too. But then when I started looking around, no, everybody else wasn't drinking. Like I was drinking, (laughs) they were just having a glass and like hanging out and having a good time while I was having four and getting wasted and sometimes making a fool out of myself. So that's when you got to start looking at it as like, okay, am I the only one that's drinking here? Am I the only one that's having multiple drinks when everybody else is just having like a drink and hanging out and then saying goodbye. And then when everybody else says goodbye, they go home and just do other things. But I'm the one that's going back home and looking for my next drink and drinking all night long because I couldn't just have that one drink with friends. I had to continue going. Right. So brunch turned into lunch and dinner like all day long for me. I'd meet my girls, go have brunch. They'd all go and do their thing. And I was still going back home drinking. So what advice do you have for somebody out there who might be finding themselves in the problem drinking realm, but it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily full-blown addiction. I've got to do it all day, every day, every minute. And, you know, when I wake up until I go to bed, like it's not there yet. What mm-hmm. advice do you have for somebody who's just kind of kicking around the middle and it could become a problem, but they still kind of have it under control? Right. Um, first of all, be careful. And I would say also when you're recognizing that, you know, like I'm in control of it, it's okay. Um, but I do drink often. Um, try to not have a drink at something that you would normally have a drink. Try to do something that doesn't involve drinking, hiking, kayaking, you know, all these fun things that I say that because I'm going to go kayaking soon, but all of these other outdoor type of activities that you can be doing to enjoy scenery, um, things like crafting, whatever it is that speaks to your heart, 
try to do things that are outside of drinking where you don't have to have a drink in your hand. If you start recognizing that, you know, well, I don't really want to do those things, or I just want to do things that I have a drink in my hand, then you probably want to start being more aware of it. And again, just try to do more that doesn't involve drinking or even the biggest thing would be to, if you think that you're going down that path, tell someone. Cause and maybe once, you, mm-hmm. I was, you brought up a good point. Maybe that's a great indicator of you're not as in control as you think you are. Exactly. If you're thinking, Hey, I don't really have a problem, but then I don't want to do those things. Or I want to always still have a drink. Then, you know, of course that's the first sign, right? Is everybody's going to say, I'm not an addict. I can control yeah. it. I can but if you can't, then I think that's a real indicator. That's a good point. Exactly. So if you can't do it, then yeah. And then, like I was saying, if the other thing is tell somebody, because once you get that out and you let somebody know, like, Hey, I might be struggling a little bit here. Guess what? Now you have an accountability partner, right? You have somebody that's going to be checking in on you. That's going to be touching base with you, seeing how you're doing and trying to help guide you on the right path where if you just keep everything in, all of that starts to stir up inside of you and you just guess what drink or do whatever drug of choice it is that you have, or even food to make it go down. Right. So you push that feeling down with those things that are making you do think are making you feel better that you cannot control with that. And then next thing, you know, you're not telling anybody and the cycle becomes way worse than it had to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Jenny, do you have any questions for Nicole? Yeah, I was actually just going to say also be aware of who you tell, because if if you hang out with like minded people, odds are they also have the same habits as you. And if you are talking to a friend who maybe they need you to drink because you're their mm-hmm. drinking partner yeah. <laughs> and you're reaching out to them and they're like, oh no, you don't have a problem. So mm-hmm. I think that's a great thing to keep in mind. Um, you know, I think that's pretty common for us to hang out with people who do the similar activities that we do. So maybe reach out to, you know, a relative or, you know, somebody within your church or community or work or somebody who doesn't hang out with you and have those same habits. Um, but yeah, great advice. Yeah, that is huge though. It is, that is a key factor. You don't want to tell the wrong person. That's just going to be like, ah, you're fine. You're fine. Like my friend that I went to live with in Chicago that was like, yeah, come on out. You're going to get better. We'll get better together. No, (laughs) it doesn't work like that. Guess what we did? We drank together, you know? So yes, so true. And we've had that conversation before Jenny, some Mm -hmm. point in the last past years about how you kind of, and I don't know if it's just society sort of molds you that way or what, or where we get this idea, but it's just like you said, Nicole, you kind of feel, or may say to yourself, well, how am I going to have fun? Or how am I going to go out and meet my girlfriends for dinner? Maybe you're a little shy and maybe that helps you get out of your bubble or something like that. Like, I feel like we tell ourselves that. And where do we get that from? Like, it's so weird. Well, and I was just having this conversation yesterday with a really good friend of mine is society is a hundred percent or our environment, right? We have happy hours, drink as much as you can between four and seven to get the discounted prices. So then not only is that encouraging us to drink, but drink more in a shorter time, in a shorter window Mm -hmm. or bottomless mimosas at brunch. Well, I want to get my money's worth. So I'm going to drink more. Um, it's definitely our environment and definitely society that makes it seem mainstream. And I think with alcohol, it's socially acceptable in many instances over drugs or other addictions. And so it just makes it a vicious cycle. Yeah, that's, So true. So true. And a lot of it goes back to childhood. When I was growing up at every single family party, they were drinking, they were drinking all the time. Like that's all they did was drink. So some people that's all they knew from then. Yeah. Similar situation here. I come from a super small town out in the woods in new England. That's all anyone ever did. Either Mm -hmm. you went to the bar or you went out into the woods and had a big bonfire 
and you know, your six pack of Bud Light or whatever it was. Um, but that really was what I saw from, you know, being this big all the time. So it was like super normal. It was almost normal. If someone didn't, you're like, wow, you're weird. What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Right. Which makes it that much harder to not do it because we grew up around it all the time. And Katie, that's so huge because that's what I I was like. How am I going to go to a family party? Like everybody drinks at my family parties. They're going to be looking at me like I'm a weirdo. But guess what? I have more fun than everybody else now because I am a weirdo. (laughs) And you can remember it the next day. Yes. And I feel great too. Exactly. (laughs) And you're not wrapped around a toilet bowl. Yes. Have you guys ever heard? I've had friends that don't drink and just because they don't drink, but when we're out, like people will be like, oh, are you recovering or are you sober? No, they just don't drink. But why Mm -hmm. is that the first question that people ask too? Like, because society makes it seem like it's weird if you don't drink. Yeah. Yeah. So so, true. I don't know. I love this conversation because I feel like somebody who really needs to hear this conversation is going to hear this conversation and be like, yeah, you know what? That is why do, why am I falling into that pattern? Mm-hmm. So thank you, ladies. Anything else for Nicole before we say goodbye? No, this was good. I, I, we could chat for hours on this topic. So this has been a fun, fun one to cover. And Nicole, your story is so inspiring. I mean, look at where you are today. Uh, I, I mean, it just gives everyone out there listening a little bit of hope. You know, you, you've been through hell and you stuck on you know, your path and you showed your strength and you overcame it all and you are happy and healthy and successful and you know, remarried and, and your kids in your life. You have such a great success story. So it just gives everyone out there listening, um, you know, a chance to see that they can do it too. I totally agree. It was huge. Thank you for sharing a bit of your story, a bit of yourself. Um, you know, and, and I appreciate that you did that because I'm sure a, a lot of this, and I mean, you tell me for me, it would be hard for me to share some pieces of this story. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we saw, and you, I brought the tissues too, just in case I went, I followed you, but you, you had an emotional or really emotional reaction, you know, 10, 20 minutes ago, whatever it was. And I could just feel it. Like I could just mm-hmm. feel all of that emotion. I'm getting the chills right now. And so I really have to, you know, I thank you. And, and I really want you to know how much I appreciate because I'm sure some of that is it's still tough. It's, it's, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Right. But if my story can help somebody else, I'll feel it all day long. Oh, well, that's amazing. Thank you again so much, Nicole. We hope to have you back on the show and maybe do a little part two because I actually do. We've got to go. Our time is up, but I actually yes. do have a few more questions <laughs> that I wanted to ask, but I didn't have a chance to. Um, but the, the conversation always seems to go in a direction that I feel I know people need to hear. So yes. it's not about my feelings or my perspective. Just the, the conversation just always seems to go in a direction that I feel like, you know, this is what needs to fall on the ears out in the, out there right now. Yeah. So I appreciate it so much. Um, if anybody else is interested in being a guest on the show, please follow us at mom nation on Facebook or Instagram, give or YouTube. It's all the same handle at mom nation USA. Give us a quick like and shoot us a message if you would like to get on and please, while you're at it, subscribe, download, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform, because that is how we are able to get this information, these stories, this inspiration out to the masses. So thank you, mamas. Thank you. Bye guys. Thank you. Bye. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. Moms with aspiration, moms are inspirations, moms in circulation, moms at their workstations, they make a nation, this is a mom nation.